Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? to Modern Vinyl Podcast. They came up with the idea. They did all the work. Um, so thanks to them. That was awesome. Uh, this is the Washed Up Emo Podcast, if you can't see. Um, it's what I do from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., uh, and then including right now. Um, so thanks for coming. Uh, hopefully you're sticking around for this one or you're here for this one. Thank you. Um, we're in Brooklyn, Union Hall. Thank you. You agreed to do this um, and thinking that we were going to talk about Fall Out Boy. That's the last time I'm going to mention that fucking band. <laughs> no mention of that band for the next hour, so you're going to be happy for that. What are we going to talk about? Well, I guess we're done. So, no, we're not done. Um, so I'm really excited to have three guests that I um, love, love their music, and I'm excited for you guys to hear their stories. Um, first, uh, Norman, Brandon. That's Clap, me. motherfuckers! <laughs> Shelter, Texas the Reason. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jason from The Promise Ring, everybody. Milwaukee. And uh, Steve from uh, Thursday. So a quick question to the audience, because you guys are usually sitting on your hands wanting to yell. If you have questions, we'll have time for that after. Um, but if you do raise your hand, I might call on you. Um, so how many have heard of the podcast? Raise their hand. Nice. How many have just listened to the Mike Kinsella episode? Raise your hand. <laughs> All right. Thanks for... Oh, just Ooh. one. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, and then how many are here to meet the emo council? <laughs> Those are a few. Okay, good. That's after. So that's after the podcast is over. We're going to meet the emo council. Uh, so ground rules. I'm going to talk as little as possible. Yeah, they, they have the stories. I'm not interesting. Um, so if you want to Snapchat, tweet, please do that. Just use the hashtag WashedUpEmo. And I'm on Meerkat, if you guys want to be super current. I'm streaming this whole thing on Meerkat. You don't even know what that is. No idea. <laughs> you'll, you'll know next week. Um, so uh, you can watch on that if you want later. Um, so first, I just want to everybody, 
um, the DIY culture. It has changed um, and how people meet. And I think you guys all met um, before the internet, right? <laughs> so I think it's archaic the ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they met after, but I met these guys in super like archaic ways. Like I, I met Steve, uh, pen pals, sort of. Yeah, like Do you guys in, know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> That's like emails on paper. <laughs> I'm sure I was nagging you at a show for some rare Sunny Day songs you had or something. And then you <laughs> sent me a cassette. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what a cassette is? <laughs> yeah, so that was like 1995-ish, right? And, and we sort of like, you know, we kept in touch for a while uh, through letters. And then... Uh, then totally dropped out, and then like years later in 2003, I was at a Thursday show in San Francisco, and you came up to me and said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I was like, shit, that's fucking bold. Yeah, you were I, and I thought you were just like, do you know who I am? And I was like, bitch, no. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I was just like, no, I don't. And he was just like, and you know, then he, jarred my memory. I was like, shit, I totally know who you are. You're in this band? Weird. So that was... And then I, well, was Jason, awesome. I met you... Well, I, I stayed at your house in 1992. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with Shelter. <laughs> I was trying to remember that recently, and I was like, I'm officially too old to even remember how I fucking met you. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, yeah. Well, I was in Shelter, and you were in None Left Standing. Yeah. And we played... Was that in Madison? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we played together in Madison... And then uh, when I did a fanzine, which is like websites on paper. Blogs on paper. You sent me a demo tape for the Promise Ring. Oh, yeah. And I reviewed it. And then I was like, oh, I want to play with this band. Oh, yeah, we hadn't met then. Right. I couldn't remember. I was telling somebody, I was like, I sent Norm a tape, but I couldn't remember under what circumstances. It was just self-blatant self-promotion. Totally. You used me. Trying to get a review. <laughs> you got the review. Oh, was it a good one? Yeah. I said they sounded like Soulside. That's big praise to me. <laughs> so, yeah. And then we got a record label out of that. You did? Yeah. Totally. See, I'm killing it right now. <laughs> because, right, because then we played together. Yeah. Where was that? Some weird VFW hall in Madison, Wisconsin. And, uh, yeah, and then I took the demo tape to J-Tree. Yeah. Well, who was, was really easy. He lived in my room. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Tim, man, listen to this. <laughs> Get out of my room. <laughs> okay, what? <laughs> Did they just sign it on the spot? Yes, they didn't listen to anybody else. Yeah, we're just like Norm's. Norm did. Norm just signed for us proxy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't remember. I mean, I think that we. I had known. I think I met Tim or maybe Darren at one of the one of the music fests, and then I honestly can't even remember. It was like there was some back and forth. We were kind of paying attention to what they were doing because we were obsessed with everything in DC, and it was like I feel like J Trade at that time was kind of turning a weird proto. Like DC offcast, right? Pitch blend and whatever. So we were kind of sweating it, and we were like, "Wait, someone's actually going to put our record out? Yeah, let's do that. Cool." There weren't that many places to go. No, 
Like, even with Texas, it was like, well, we could sign a J-Tree or Revelation. Yeah. That's it. That's cool. Well, I mean, also, like, Atlantic and fucking Disney. But, like... <laughs> but we, we didn't, didn't have that, that option. No. <laughs> Not yet. I mean, all those things didn't, you know, that wasn't online. So the, that connection was different. Do you think your relationships would have been different if it was... It, whatever it was, a tweet or a MySpace message or a Tinder. Um, <laughs> totally. More regularly should be done on Tinder. <laughs> Can I get a face pic first? Come on. <laughs> I mean, I think, I don't know how you feel, but I feel actually really endeared to Steve because we wrote letters to each other. There's something sort of, I don't know, I still like getting letters. I think that's really nice. You know, I don't know. No, totally. I mean, it, it, it was it was interesting. Cause I, I actually remember being at a Fugazi show with a friend of mine in Connecticut, and you were there. I think my friend was bothering you, and you were you were like really like leave me alone. <laughs> not at all. That's not kind of. Well, my friend was out of line. I think. No, he was all like. Um, any of you can say hi to me. I'm yeah, nice. yeah, no, he's not like that. <laughs> he was trying to watch Fugazi. It's, it's, it was fair. Um, no, he oh, was, it was like during a, the show? I think that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was like an uh, antimatter super fan. Gotcha. So, so um, but, um, yeah, it, it just seemed like we kept intersecting. And, like, you know, even now, like, with how easy it is to, like, be like, hey, send me that rare whatever song you have over email. Like, you can do it from your phone. Now the likelihood of you getting that response is less than then. Yeah. And the, it was me, like, not, not knowing you, I think it was outside of Coney Island High, and saying, hey, like, you had that list, uh, the playlist in, in the issues or whatever, and I was like, I can't find these songs anywhere. And you're like, oh, I'll send you a tape. Here, give me your address. We, we sent videotapes too, right? We traded some, I think so, like Sunny Day, probably. I feel like it was Fugazi, maybe, like, uh, yeah, DC yeah. shit. I, I think maybe you there. had, like, a Bright to Spring video or something. Even. I might have. But, like, but that's what I'm saying, like, I don't know, maybe, like, somebody can, is it special when someone sends you a YouTube link? <laughs> like, I'm, I don't know, I'm a little more, more endeared about the yeah, whole thing, so. Yeah. <laughs> I think YouTube's links are cool. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, what was I going to put in here? Oh, no, you, how, how did you and Steve meet? Because I, I want you to tell that story, Norm. Me? What? Steve? Yeah, did you, wasn't there, it. no, the, dump, the, the get hitting, did you get hit by something? Did I get hit the by something? The day before? Did you oh, well, I got hit by a tow truck the day after I met you. The day after. So this dude's bad news. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no. Yes. In San Francisco? Yes. See, that we met before that, though. Yeah, the day after I met you, I got hit by a truck. No, we met way before that. <laughs> we met, no, 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 we met, but yeah. we reconnected. Yes, yeah. I'm just right. trying to, you got to be clear here. Yeah. Everything was fine in my life. There were no trucks. <laughs> then I reconnected with you, and I almost died. My fault. Yeah. I'm very sorry. <laughs> you should be. It was either you or... No, I mean, I say that, and at the same time, I feel terrible, because I always think about, like, the first time I really hung out with Saves the Day, it was the day before they fell off a cliff or something. What happened to them? They did some... They had some yeah, crazy, crazy van car, accident. Yeah, and I'm, like, that guy who's just like, oh, my God, it was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> do you think... Yeah, this is for everybody. Uh, do you think your band would have progressed differently if all these things were around now, if it was social, website, all the things you have to do, 
if it wasn't just putting out a record, finding someone to do it, and then touring, there was so much to do it, would you have, I don't know, would, <laughs> would you have been like, wow, uh, you know, Jeff would have been horrible at X or whatever. I mean, you kind of were all... Yeah, I mean, I, I often wonder now about how it's like the, it's, it's, it's a Catch-22 because in a lot of ways it's like so much easier for a new band to, you know, quote-unquote get something out there. But there's so much now. So it's so saturated. I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to begin if you're starting from scratch now where it's like, okay, yeah, you can get your Bandcamp page and whatever, but I don't know. There was something, something way different about it then, obviously, like a million things way different about it, but like... In a, lot, in a lot of ways, I feel like you you earned it more, but but also now it's harder for to break out. To break out, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's weird. I, I notice now, like a lot of um, not a lot, but, you know, there's definitely a contingent of younger bands that are doing this thing where they know how to brand themselves better than they know how to write songs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's really weird because I don't understand. Like we never knew how to do that, and I mean that's just how it is now. It's just because that's you learn how to like, you know, make an awesome website or like make your Facebook page, whatever, you know, like, but then we just didn't even know that was a thing. We were like, okay, let's write some songs. So I don't, I don't know. It definitely would have been different. I don't know if we would have gotten anywhere like outside of a basement, but we would, we would have still done it, I guess. I made almost, friends. I almost would argue that it's harder now. I yeah, mean, just coming saying. from like, yeah. just coming from like even the like during the day, I, I'm the general manager for Collect Records. I mean, it's hard to, to stand out. It's hard to sell records. It's hard to, you know, like I was just talking to somebody the other night about the fanzine that I did, and I was like, at the end of the fanzine's run, I was selling 5,000 copies of a fanzine. And I was like, you know, that's like, that's a shit ton of fanzines. Like, you know, now it's like if you sell 5,000 records, it's like, that's amazing, <laughs> dude. Congratulations, yeah. you know? Uh, so... I mean, and I think part of that is just what you're saying. Like, it is oversaturated. Yeah. You know, there is so much. So to, to actually, like, I almost get it, like, the bands that, like, are branding mavens, you know, like. No, I get it. I'm not faulting them. I'm yeah. Just, yeah. No, I mean, I would yeah. fault them, too. They were not. <laughs> but no, I'm right. faulting them. But I yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I think that, like, also, I mean, I'm sure that there are small little scenes everywhere, but, like, for Promise Ring, anyway, it was, like, there were it was such a small, tight-knit scene, and the barrier to entry was very low. Like, you didn't have to be a good musician. You didn't have to... You just had to, like, want to do it, and you could do it. And I think that was, like... And be nice. Yeah, and be nice, and, and be excited yeah. about it. And it was like, you just did it, and it was like, oh, okay, cool, we're doing it. And it was like... There was not, like, a ton of competition. Yeah, it's like easier to cut through the noise when you're like, there's three bands in the town. Right. Right. <laughs> Who are the three bands in your town? <laughs> I can't even remember. <laughs> Who remembers? <laughs> no, there were a lot of good bands. I mean, it was good. I think that was like, it was like there was a really small scene, and it was cool because you know, I grew up in Madison, and we were really close to Milwaukee, and he would basically be like, every touring band would come and play at Madison, and then they would come and play in Milwaukee, and everyone from Madison would then go to Milwaukee, or everyone from Milwaukee would go to Madison, and it was like, it was just a really like kind of energetic situation. So it was easy. It's fun. I think the, you know, that late 90s time, too, it was hardcore bands, punk bands, indie bands, all in the same show. You all kind of mm -hmm. play, playing with Earth Crisis, playing with Snap, whatever it was, it didn't yeah. seem weird. And now that's almost like, I don't know, you feel like that wouldn't happen, or maybe it does, but 
it just felt it was more of like you were already friends and you just happened to play because you liked each other's bands. Yeah. I, th- I think with, with, with Thursday, we try to keep that. Like, I think it, at that point it was dying. That idea was dying out a lot already. And we were trying to always do that. Like, with who we'd have on a bill, we'd always try to have. We wouldn't care if it would be, you know, Jonah playing solo or, you know, um, every time I die. You know what I mean? Like, we, we always sort of wanted it to be that. Because that was what we loved about the scene, you know. But, uh, yeah, I think that's been dying for a long time, unfortunately. But What do you guys think? We had just some, like, horribly hazing shows, <laughs> especially in Europe. Like, the first few times where Promise Ring went to Europe, it was still when, like, nothing even, like, in the U.S., like, indie was, like, a thing. You were like, we want to be, like, thrill jockey. We want to be, like, sub pop, Sunday. <laughs> but in Europe, it was like, fuck that. If you're not Madball, like right. you don't even exist. <laughs> <laughs> but though, except for like the booking agents were like, oh yeah, we're seeing this thing happen and we know about these bands, so like we want to bring them over. But then there was like no one for you to really play with except for like you're on a thing where the guy from Madball is on the side of the stage pounding his fist and staring at you, and you're like shitting your pants. Can we just play way longer? Because I'm going to get beat up. That happened. Not Madball. But some other bad yeah, We played in that ball. They were like really, I, they were really I, should, sweet. I should say they were really sweet. Yeah. They were straight up like, yeah. yo, we love Fury, you guys. Fury, <laughs> Fury of Five. Fury of Five. I've never played with them. Is that, that who was who it was, yeah. Oh, wow. The guy looked like a That's some weird video shit. game character yeah. from like, I don't know. What's the, f- yeah, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it was scary. And just, just say no, they're back. <laughs> I, I really did watch a Fear of Five video the other day. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Um, no On fact. VHS or YouTube? <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> I didn't know if you were still trading tapes. His uh, <laughs> yeah. VCR broke and that was all over. <laughs> I still have one, but it's in a closet. Exactly. It works. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I... Uh, I would say that like the European scene for us was maybe a little kinder than for you because we were harder, so we could sort of get yeah. away with. I mean, in the U.S., it was fine because we had literally been playing with all those bands. It was like, oh, yeah, Stripe's coming to town. It's like, well, when I was in Nano Standing three months ago, we played with Stripe. It was right. awesome. It yeah. was so, so, I mean, mostly it was fine, but it was weird. It was a little bit of a kind of. But that that the point you make, like, which I think is still something that I think has to be sort of assessed is. I think the reason why those bands could sort of play together or why you could have Strife and Promise Ring or, or Texas and Madball or whatever it was is because there was a sort of commonality that was just, you know, we saw it, we understood it, we couldn't necessarily articulate it aside from being like, oh, we all like Agnostic Front or something like I mean, like, I remember, like, hanging out with Promise Ring one of the first times and, like, we were just like reciting Gorilla Biscuits lyrics like in a van or something like that. And it was just like, the commonality was there. Our bands didn't sound like that, but we came from a place and we appreciated that. And then I think as time kind of went on, that sort of unraveled for better or for worse. And the the only reason that's a problem is because I did like the sort of way that bands could just play together and not sound anything alike. Or the way that like, you know, if you listen to like the compilation record that I put out with Antimatter, uh, you know, I don't think those bands necessarily all sound alike either. You know, you had Garden Variety, you had Strife, you had Quicksand, you had uh, Game Face, you know, but I don't know, in my head it made sense. 
And in most people's heads at the time, that made sense too. I don't know if it makes sense today. Yeah, I don't, does that even fucking happen? I have no idea. I'm stuck in the 90s, so I don't know. Is that, does that happen? <laughs> does I'm modern just... baseball play with the devil wears Prada? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's a tragedy. <laughs> I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> oh, that'd be really fun, naming bands until Jason knows what it is. <laughs> we could be here a long time. <laughs> um, I'll bring up the, the white elephant, emo. Um, I talk about it all the time. It's definitely like a, a word that's bastardized. You guys were all associated with it. What were some positive things that came out of it? And negative. Negative being that you're up here on a Sunday with me and not with someone you love. Uh, positives. You're not dead. <laughs> what was positive? I don't know. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> I needed this question up front. Uh, <laughs> what was positive? I don't know. I mean, some people still remember. Was there, you know, they're still talking about the bands. It wasn't. I guess this. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's that's sort of. It's sort of nice to be. Um, but I don't know. think it was. I don't think that's what it was described as then, though. Really, right? No, but that doesn't matter, right? I mean, nobody remembers. Like yeah. you know, that, I always say. I always say like, I don't think I. I get that emo sort of like has morphed and, and done all the things that it's done or whatever, but I don't really like, like I, I look at it as like when most people talk about it with me, they're talking about people that I love, like Friends Bands, Promise Ring, or Thursday, or Mineral, or Chrissy French Drive, or you know, whoever, and I'm just like, well, okay, like I guess if that word describes these people that I love, then I'm cool. Like, In the context of 2015, it's like, I think nobody really cares, I certainly don't care, right. I think to, to your point, but like, in 1995, I think we, like, the promise ring was definitely, like, vain and ambitious in the sense that, like, and fighting for, like, no, what we're doing is bigger than that. Like, because we were, like, emo was right to spring or whatever, and we don't want to be that. We want to be, yeah. I don't know what, Sunny Day Real Estate or Blur. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, That's too, that too, yeah. We don't, totally. like, so it's like we were constantly fighting against it. That's... Like, I did I sort of want to be Fugazi, but I also sort yeah, of yeah. wanted to be Smashing Pumpkins. Like, totally. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, was it was it something that you were, that whole time, where you're like, God damn it, if someone says that again, I'm going to... I think that, no, I think that would be overstating it. I don't think, like, <laughs> sleep was lost, but, you know, if we had to choose what you would call us, we would probably not choose emo. But so, okay, but <laughs> hang on a second. I still think that being called emo is better than being called screamo. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Steve. <laughs> um, uh, I still think being called emo is better than being called fourth wave emo. <laughs> Fair enough. Name a fourth wave emo band. They're not even invented yet. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. So it's, no, no, seriously, tell, tell me about Screamo for a second. I why, do, why do I know it's because I've never been called that. I want to know. Um... I mean, again, it seems like that's a, that's that's another one of those terms where you know Jason was saying about right to spring with emo. Then, right? For for us, we were just like thinking more about bands like You and I or something like that, or you know, like that whole scene. Like it just seemed like every time 
a term got like super, um, was getting modernized basically. The, you know, it just always changed. It was like, wait a second. You just redefined the color black. Yes. You know, <laughs> it was like multiplying and adapting to be like, no, 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 it's this weird sect of that. Exactly. So it was, it was really confusing. I mean, I think for us it was really, really frustrating because we didn't see it as that. And then certainly after our band, Screamo became this thing that, I mean, we couldn't relate to at all. Like, I don't think we even could have been a part of, you know? But somehow we're in that, you know, genre or whatever. Um, I mean, I think we, now, wait, just to be clear, though, you were the screamer in the band, weren't you? Uh, I mean, not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. Huh? I mean, I think it's like for any band, like, if you are ambitious and excited and passionate about what you're doing, nobody is like, yes, we are this. I mean, maybe you were metal and you were really stoked. Yeah, if you were, that was like yeah. a badge of honor. Yeah, right. But I can't think of really anything else where you're like... But actually, it wasn't a badge of armor. Because I remember... Um, no, so metal is. When I, no, no, check this out. So, <laughs> and I don't know. So does anybody remember Damnation? They were on J-Tree. They were like... Was it were, Damnation or Damnation AD? I thought it was well, Damnation AD. <laughs> same thing. Okay. But they were on J-Tree. They were metal. I mean, it wasn't... Emo. Yeah, but they wanted to be emo. No, they... <laughs> They, I mean, well, so I, I, I reviewed their record in Antimatter, and I called them metal, <laughs> and it wasn't, like, necessarily pejorative. Like, I listen to metal. Like, I'm cool with it. I like Slayer, dude. It's okay. <laughs> um, but, like, I, uh, I <laughs> but so I, I, I wrote this review, and it wasn't, it really wasn't a, a slam to me. And then um, a couple of months later, they played at Middlesex County Community College, which was a place that did shows. Uh-oh. And uh, I went to the show, and I'm standing and I'm watching them. And Mike, who sings for the band, and is actually like a good friend of mine, starts going off the rails about how they are not fucking metal. And I was like, dude, you're saying that in the most metal voice ever. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh but so, God. but you know, I get that what he and this sort of speaks to what we were talking about before in the sense that like. As far as he was concerned, we were fucking hardcore. And we, you know, that was, that was all he thought. You know, the trappings of metal may be there, but we're a hardcore. So, you know, there you go. Hardcore is a badge of honor, apparently. There you go. It is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We always, people, we always fought for the post-hardcore no, label. Yeah. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's going to be like, you know, like, it's, you could go to a show and have somebody go like, you're not fucking hardcore. But nobody's going to go to a show and be like, you're not fucking emo. Like, <laughs> that has never happened anymore. in human history. That has never happened. I think, I think it has, actually. Not maybe. 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 Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say it happened in the last three years. Yes, the last three years. <laughs> I want to know that Thursday practice when you got designated the screamer. Was it like, it not it, not it, not it, shit. No, it, it's <laughs> It wasn't like a sit down. <laughs> Second like, chorus. Yeah. Four, three, two, one. Fucking scream. You hit this hi hat. You hit the fucking crash. No, it was more like Jeff recorded all the vocals, and then suddenly people had to do them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? So that's that's what would happen every time. Um, yeah, it's like figure out how to play what we just recorded, and uh, you know, between Tom and I, we just try to. Do our best. <laughs> I, I miss the the hardcore records thank you list where the gang chorus for the last song had like fifty five people and 
before the record came out, hey, I went to the studio today. What'd you do? I was like, gang vocals. <laughs> I can't even read your name. It's so small. There was 55 people. I, I, I kind of missed that. I, yeah, I miss doing it. Like, there was so, it was so much fun. Like, I, uh, this was always, like, my claim to fame was, like, I did gang vocals on the first Refused album in Sweden Ooh, with the it was like the, <laughs> no no but I mean I was like I remember so this is why it's stupid kind of funny I was I was in Sweden on tour with Shelter and Refuse were on tour with us and uh, they were recording with the guitar player from Entombed I think it was so this was like mad metal but they were like they metal were like, or emo yeah, no it was mad metal they were like but they were like you guys gotta come in and do backup vocals for this track and we're like, all right, awesome, let's go. We went into the studio, and we're all standing there, and we're ready to go. We're like, what the fuck are we saying? And uh, Dennis was like, we're back, which is the opening to a Youth of Today album. And half of Youth of Today is standing there like... <laughs> but for those watching on the podcast, I made a face. <laughs> um, but yeah, we did it. And then, yeah. And it was, but it was like that kind of stuff that was like, it was, it felt like, um, you know, it felt like you being a part of something that you weren't a part of. Like, yeah. gang vocals are great. Anyone could do it. We're yeah. back. And I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I do love, I went to an Invision show with Norm, and right after uh, uh, Dennis went right up to Norm and just started nerding out about hardcore and could not, we did, it was like two hours of like, Super so hardcore. anyway, remember 1990, whatever? He's still, he's still <laughs> he's, in the hardcore. But like, he's still in the hardcore. And I still, <laughs> you know, on that tour, I remember those guys were trying to make a case for Earth Crisis to me. And I was, and I like those guys. I, I'm going to say, like, they're, I, they're members of Earth Crisis that I really like. But at the time, I was very like, no. Like, <laughs> I just wasn't into it at all. And, uh, and the guys in Refused were just fucking obsessed with Firestorm. And I, <laughs> they were like... Didn't they just cover it on the last like, tour? I, I feel like... Yeah. Or was that it the, the secret show? Yeah, yeah right. that was the secret yeah. show. Uh, oh, are you guys not there? Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for hitting me up about that. Blame Rich Hall. <laughs> I went to bed. That was late. <laughs> Uh, that brings up reunions. That was obviously an awesome reunion. I thought I got to see them in 90, Refuse in 98 and saw it again. It was fantastic. They were obviously bigger venues um, than not a you know a college uh, cafe. Um, all you guys, you know, done reunions. What was it? Were there things that you liked about it? Things that you were dreading? Did anything come up? You know, as you were practicing for that first time again, be like, I do fucking hate that guy. You know. <laughs> Always choose gum. <laughs> I'm just looking for stories. Yeah. Let Jason take it. Dirty dish. <laughs> well, Davey. No. Uh, yeah, it was actually really fun for me. I mean, you know, right after the band split up, I moved here within like three months. And I think like the first time doing it, it was like, you know, when the band split up, there was obviously a reason why your band's breaking up and there's tension and it's horrible or not horrible but when we got back to do it it was like really fun because it was like it was funny to like step back into the room and you're like oh I totally get it like it is as if especially with the last reunion which was like I don't know eight or ten years later it was like literally nothing has changed and like like everything is you just like fall back into like the the rhythm and it's amazing and super fun and for me it was like you know I have distance so I don't see those guys that often so it's really fun it was good have you guys done a reunion? 
Are you going now? Can't talk about it? Go. No. I'm just kidding. I'm no, I, no, we haven't. I mean, I, I, I'd be surprised if we don't play again, of course. But And uh, I love all those guys. And in fact, going to the UN show on last Monday, seeing Jeff, the first time I saw Tom in over two years, and we were, we were all just kind of like, this is really stupid. Why don't we hang out more often? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's what, yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, our band was notoriously volatile, like when we were a band. Yeah. And then, like, we just give it a little time, and then all of a sudden, everybody's like, I love you. Yeah. You're so great. Cool. Well, for us, too, the thing that's crazy is, like, and, you know, Tom and I were talking about this, is, like, there's something unique about when you're in a band for that long where certain people, like, if, you're, if you didn't have the band in the equation, and you were just, like, hanging out with these people, you'd be like, you know what, like, I... We're, we don't click, like, we're not friends. But, like, so after all this time, I feel like when we made the last record, we were just like, I think we all figured this shit out. Like, <laughs> we're like, we see through all the bullshit, we don't care about it anymore, and, like, we're really friends, and, like, this is great. And, like, feels like this thing you earned, and then we're like, eh, we're going to break up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, we just beat the boss in the video game. We figured it out. <laughs> so, like, I don't know what else yeah. to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I gotta say, though, um, Promise ring though. Okay, so y- y'all y'all remember Woodwater? It's like the most. Oh, I'm so glad you brought like, this up. It's beautiful. I love this record. It's my. It's actually my favorite Promise ring record. No lie. And it's beautiful. And it's like nice and mellow. It's a Sunday jam, perfect for a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and like the last time I saw Promise Ring, uh, do you remember this in San Francisco? Uh, was, yeah. was it? <laughs> was it the Bad Religion yes. tour? No, this was at Slim's, I think. Yeah. And. Uh, and I remember, you know, they were playing these jams, and, you know, I'm watching it, and I'm just feeling like, you know, I've seen The Promise Ring a lot. You know, we went on tour, we like, you know, like, a lot. And I was like, something just feels off. And uh, they finished the last song. And, you know, like I said, they're just finishing their Sunday jam, and all of a sudden Jason's like... <laughs> smashing his guitar like he's in fucking Kiss. And I was like... This band is over. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what happened? Uh, yeah, I totally remember what happened. Uh, it was just a mistuned guitar, and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> just a mistuned guitar. At wit's end. <laughs> it was like the straw How that can I the fix this? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's like, that was totally it. It's like, it's funny, like you fall back into those rhythms and it's really great, but the flip side is it's like everyone hasn't changed either, and I think like that stuff is all there, so you can do a reunion, it just can't be too long. Right. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you get back to the other end, Wait, it's not as good. That's your, the your guitar was mistuned, or somebody else? Mine was mistuned. Oh, okay. And I was just, it was like a cheap guitar that I bought, and I was like, I don't know, I was probably <laughs> moderately drunk and <laughs> frustrated, and yeah. thought, oh, I was going to do this. And the great thing was, I remember like starting to do it, and I was like, oh, this is not going to work. Because I remember like trying to break a shitty guitar at some point, like in the privacy of my own home or somewhere else. <laughs> and it was really hard to do. This guitar, I don't know what it was made of. It literally just like hit the ground and just exploded. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> it, 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 it was very gratifying. Yeah. That was a really nourishing Because moment. there's nothing worse than when you're trying to break a guitar and it doesn't <laughs> break. And you're just like... Fuck, everyone thinks I'm weak. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually is a good, I think this is a Texas Promise Ring story with, uh, with someone in Promise Ring who I'll not name. But we were on More drinks, please. More and drinks. I remember someone getting really upset and like storming out of the show. and was like, really mad and I'm going to kick this fucking van. And they like, kicked it and got their shoes stuck in it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, so genius. 
That was in your band, though, right? That's my band. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. great. But he, he really did, by the way, though, I'll say he cracked the code right there. He just said something that if, you're, if you've ever been in a band that's thinking about reuniting, put a deadline on it, all right? Because otherwise it's weird. But, it, you know, because everybody's like, Texas is the reason. We were like 21 shows. Boom. Done. There was an end in sight. We knew it was going to be over. And, you know, and that way also, like, it felt, like, special. You know, it felt like, okay, now really, like, this is it. We're doing it. It's done. And we got along till the end. Not a minute more. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine that's not an easy discipline that most bands would have, though. You know what I mean? Totally. It's hard because everybody's like offering you. Well, you sit there and go, and, and I, I even hear you say that. I even go like, "Well, how do you know it's not going to be worked past that?" And we all know that's. Well, probably, for right? some people, it does work, though. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Dismember room plan is kind of totally genius. It's like you don't have. I think like when your band is breaking up. There's like that weird awkward thing where it's like there's a reason for it and it's like kind of coming unhinged. Where like some people don't have that. They don't like, like for promise ring anyway. We held on really tightly. Like we were like we care about this shit so much and that's kind of was like eventually creates the tension and kind of is what makes things go off the rails. But some bands I've seen where it's like they're just not that fussed about it. They're like it's cool. We're making another record. We care. We're gonna do a good job and probably make a really awesome record. But they're not like so like fussed about it that it like. Right. I can't change myself, though. It's like, I'm a fussy person. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You're just talking about the breaking guitars. I just remember a kid in Guitar Center trying to do a bending back of SG, like, and, like, it snapped. (laughs) It was awesome. that's That's actually, that's another great archetype of broken guitars at shows. Was Guitar uh, Center? No, no, no. <laughs> Stairway to heaven. This, um, okay, so there is a band called Lincoln, who if you've never heard, they were fucking amazing, like one of the most amazing bands. And live, they were just sick. They were so good. And this happened at Rutgers University. I think they were the last band that was like, people were stoked to call emo. Kind, yeah, like they were, they were definitely in that. You ever play them on Watch yes. Up Emo Night? Okay. So, yeah, I think that they were sort of... But it was like, when I first heard them, I remember people comparing them to Inside Out. Like, because they, they were just so fucking intense. When's that reunion, by the way? Never, <laughs> But, like, um... But, so... But Jay Demko, the singer, you know, I'm watching him play, and it was like, he had this really nice SG, and he's like, you know... He turns it upside down, he puts the headstock on the ground, and he's getting all the feedback, and he's looking really cool, going crazy, and then the headstock snaps, and you just see his face like... <laughs> yeah. and that I think that's worse than being weak because you at least got to play that shit off. Like, yeah, I meant to do that. Yeah. It was our first song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had two versions of that. One where it was at the end of a show. So I think it was Skate and Search, maybe. Like we, we played. Um, I always wanted to play this, this song. One of our songs, Tomorrow I'll Be You. I always wanted to play it and for whatever reason we never did, and it was like always a struggle for me to say, hey, let's play the song. We finally got them to agree to play the song. And um, we're playing the song, and I'm playing it something that's just wildly attitude. And I'm like looking at everyone, just like, tune your guitar. It's your wicked song. stuff or whatever, you know? Uh, and I'm trying to figure it out. I'm checking my tuner. Everything is like gold. And then finally, like, the guitar tech comes over and 
turns off my whammy pedal, which was <laughs> which was set to like a third. Genius. <laughs> and and uh, so that was really embarrassing and sucky. And uh, I I did that. I was like so pissed. And I had this, you know, my like first good guitar I had was like a '74 SG. And I did that. Like was so pissed. And I like like did that. Like I just like sort of like wanted to Fate really throw it. And then just I sort of let it go. And the headstock still, still snapped. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. So I, I was just—I thought it was ridiculous. And so anyway, one of the one of the guitars I had that was the one that was going there. I would just like extra beat up every night. Like I was like, oh, it's not mine, you know. And there was one song where I would just like just go, just basically like grind it against anything that was in sight to like get crazy noise. But there's a whole part of the song after that. And so I'm, I'm doing that, and then all of a sudden I just like. It feels weird, like the guitar is not fully coming back. I see the neck just sort of like going out. So at that point, I was like, okay, I can totally do it. And just like smacks the shit out of it. Oh, it, was, wow. it felt good. It was awesome. And you they were that. probably stoked to get that one, though. They're like, it's like, totally yeah, got fucking, cool. this got so rocked. <laughs> they had a whole meeting about it. And it's still going in storage. Yeah. <laughs> They're waiting. Until you're done. Yeah. 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 I learned my lesson on the first one. I was like, oh, if you're going to do it, do it. <laughs> I mean, I've never broken a guitar. Like, I just can't. I tried to once, and then, like, I did that thing where, like, I sort of tried and then realized it was going to be really hard and was just like, no. So then I just kicked it. Yeah. <laughs> what I love else it. You got? The what? I said, what else you got? What else do I got? No one fucking cares about me. Tom just bitches online. I know. <laughs> um, so I, I, all you guys are hardcore guitar players, right? Essentially. Indie rock guitar players. Emo guitar players. Emo guitar players. <laughs> um, and all of you guys are gay. I would love to kind of find out what that shaped you guys in hardcore, shaped you in music scene, and how it kind of affects you guys today. Emo, discuss. <laughs> because emo it, and gay because it was, are synonyms. Emo. <laughs> they were. Norm, tell that story. Tell that they, story. They, they, they were. were. Do I know the story? Do I have a story? I mean, no. I mean, it, it is a fact, right, that like, at least at certain points in time, like the word emo was used as a way of almost saying, like, that's gay, you know, like, that's emo, you know. And, like, especially considering that it comes from hardcore and punk, which is, like, super fucking hyper-masculine, super, at least in the 80s and 90s and probably today. <laughs> <laughs> Very homophobic. No, I mean, I think we take, we tend to take for granted sort of, like, the history of words and language and sort of where they come from and we think like emo started with like my chem or something but like <laughs> it's like but no I didn't say it this time <laughs> I didn't say the F O B word though. So No it was only once. Yeah. So we're good. But uh no I mean like I, 
you know, when I first heard the word, it was pejorative. It was very much like, you know, oh, like that emo stuff in D.C. You know, like people were basically saying it as a way of talking about music that wasn't aggressive. It was talking about feelings. <laughs> it was like, you know, it, it was an agnostic front. So it was like, it must be emo. And, uh, and I think that's also where the whole hesitance to brand yourself with that word comes from because in, at the beginning anyway, it wasn't a word you wanted to be called. Um, I think for me personally, there was probably like a few layers. Like I think we all come from sort of different places geographically and maybe like chronologically or just in, in whatever. But for me geographically and sort of like uh, in terms of time and place, I came, you know, I grew up in Queens I grew up in New York hardcore scene in the 80s, uh, you know, with skinheads. I was a skinhead in the 80s, you know, like, which was totally like a ploy to sort of exploit whatever masculinity I might have <laughs> and be like, I'm not gay, you know, like, whatever. Straight acting. You know, yeah, <laughs> straight acting. But, like, but, you know, but there was sort of like a, you know, I think that there was a necessity at that point because, again, if you were in the 80s, you, were, you remember sort of the way that homosexuality was a curse. Uh, it was, you know, everyone hated you. There was no way around it. Like, there wasn't any pro-gay messages on TV or on the radio or on politics, for sure not. AIDS was, you know, prime time, and everybody just thought if you're gay, that equals you have AIDS. Like, you know, the moral majority was on TV and, like, constantly talking about eternal damnation and total, like, sin and shame and, like, all this stuff. And these are the things that I'm internalizing as a kid. And then on top of that, I get into this scene where people are, like, like, I, I, I did say this to Tom once where I was saying that, like, I can tell you that I personally know two people from the hardcore scene that are currently serving prison sentences for killing gay men. So clearly, I was like, I'm not fucking coming out. Fuck that. <laughs> you know, like, and I didn't for, like, you know, I mean, I don't know that I ever had, like, a coming out, like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you know, and it was just like, but, like, you know, and I think, and even when Texas was happening, I didn't really talk about it. I would, like, and I feel like, actually, it's funny, like, Jason and I, we didn't, when Texas and Promise Ring were happening at the same time, we didn't really know, no. We had bad gaydar. No, no, no. <laughs> That's not true. Because I saw Advocate magazines in your house. And I was like, oh, shit. It's totally gay. Um, but, you know, I would do, like, little, just subtle things, like, every now and then. But, like, still be sort of, you know, basically in the closet. And, like, I don't think it really, like, we didn't come out to each I remember coming out to Jason. We lived together. We actually got to the point where we moved in and we were roommates and didn't actually we say it. We adopted three children. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... Yeah. I was like, I should probably tell you something. <laughs> I want to name him Purple. <laughs> totally. I mean, but so... And even back then... So, like, when you came out, like, in public, public, like... It was mostly through an out magazine, right? Was that probably a big spin? Oh, it was a spin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, <coughs> so yeah, so spin had published this thing, and then I remember you were the subject of insane vitriol 
on JTree's message board. Yeah. For like, they took ever. it down. Yeah. Yeah, they had to take the fucking thing down. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> I mean, it was really like, and this was what? What, what year is that? 97, maybe? 90, yeah. yeah, 97 probably. Probably very emergency. Yeah, 97, 98, 99, somewhere in the late 90s. So, so it wasn't like things got crazy better. Like, no, and it's, it's funny because it's like, there's a weird irony. Like for me, like I didn't have the like, like I was in Madison, Wisconsin, which was like the punk scene was there. It was like barely a shade away from like, really deep granola hippies. It was like all the shows were like, we're in a commune, and it's like, <laughs> dreads. It was like not New York hardcore at all. So it was like, and I think in that scene, it was funny because I remember the, like one of the harder things for me was like, I, I don't know how to navigate this because everybody's like so proto, like cool with it. And there was like a lot of like, we're gay for whatever. And like, but I'm like, but you're, are you gay? <laughs> Can we make something happen? But it was like you couldn't really navigate it because everybody was so like fake, open, and cool about it that you were like, I have no way of like really like making a connection with anyone because it was like, wait, but are you really gay? Like, I don't know, really, whatever. It was kind of weird. And then, yeah, so then when that happened, it was like, well, the irony is actually, it was really horrible. (laughs) Right. Then everybody was just like, fucking faggot. (laughs) (laughs) And we were cool. And and that still freaked me out because like, so J-Tree... I, I basically called Tim and Darren and was like, dude, are you looking at your message board? It's fucking insane. Like, it's like every homophobe in America came out to talk shit about Jason. <laughs> and they, you know, they looked at it, they were horrified, but then they were doing the whole, I don't know, what do we do? And I was just like, take it down. Take it down. Make a, make a message. Send a message. I'll write an essay about homophobia and post it up instead of the message board and see what happens. And, uh, and so they did that. And I was really, but even then, I was still cagey about my own sexuality because then I was just like, "You see, fuck <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that shit." See what happened to her? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's always easier to stand up for somebody else when you're in that situation. It's, it's very true. But actually, for me, it wasn't really that. I mean, I think at that point, it was like that had happened so far, so so much later, and everyone that I knew and like, oh, like the band knew. That wasn't really that much of an issue for me, I guess. It was weird to see it happen, kind of like, and I think it was like, everyone in the band was like, oh, fuck. Like, it was more like, oh, what is this? Are we going to still do this band? Like, can we kind of, like, move past this? Is this going to be, like, a weird hiccup? I don't know if it was. I mean, I don't think it was. I mean, in the end, I think it was probably pos- more positive. Yeah. I mean, it sort of put it out there, but... Um... But do you think, like, did you ever have to deal with it at shows then? Like, after, Not, after that? N- like, only, like, maybe twice. And actually, for me, it was better, because I was like, you know, it's weird, like, music, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's not weird, you both know this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if you're a touring musician, it doesn't matter, it's like, everyone is very liberal, and or liberal, and that's fine, but, like, you're still not living in, like, a gay world, and you can't really, like, live, like, a fulfilled life that way. And it was always weird, because I'm sure that this is true for all of us, it's like, you, like, I was very comfortable in that world, and that's how I grew up, and it was totally good, and, like, that was, it was really true to who I was. It was, like, I'm, I was never felt like, oh, I'm, like, a total crazy Chelsea queen, like, who's, like, just obsessed with being in the gym all the time. But still, it was, like, that doesn't make it any easier for you to kind of, like, live a full life. You're kind of always, like, weird and a half-step of, like, you know, 
guy's world, right? Yeah. Like, on tour, like, everywhere you go. But mostly, like, after that stuff happened, nothing, there was only a couple instances where, like, people said something. And actually, more the opposite was, like, there was a lot of people who would, like, start to come, come up to me after shows and be like, oh, my God, it's so cool. Right. Well, that's, yeah, and I think that that's sort of the thing that I think ultimately is cool. Like, I love, you know, on this last run, like, where we did all these shows, like, I met quite a few uh, showgoers. I, I feel weird calling people kids, even though I yeah. call myself a kid all the time. But, like, but you know, like, I met quite a few people who were, like, you know, wanted to talk to me about it. And I was like, that's really cool. Like, I'm happy because I did not have that. Like, I don't... I mean, there were... I mean, let's be real about the history of punk. There definitely, like, were gay people there at the beginning, whether you're talking about Darby Crash or <coughs> the Dicks or... Big boys, Pichelli, yeah. sure, yeah, totally. Like historically, there were gays in punk, so I felt like there was a place for me somewhere, but I just couldn't see it from the weeds, basically. But it seemed like it hasn't changed. I mean, eighties, nineties, two thousand. It's it's still yeah. <laughs> there's still this issue. So I mean, I've asked Tom this, but maybe I'd ask. We'll we'll ask the audience because I want to know. <laughs> like, so who are the who are the out queer emo revivalists? <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> I want to see really a revivalist. Out somebody. No. <laughs> no, really, like, I mean, are there out are there out queer sort of people like in the scene today? Like um, well, like doing bands and stuff like that. Well against me. Okay. Uh, well I mean I wouldn't call them emo revival. Well no, but in terms of being Punk very public scene. about it. Yeah. 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 I mean that's probably yeah. like definitely the most sort of out there. Representation of queerness in some way, mm. but um, anybody else? I don't think so. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Statistics say that's not true. <laughs> I mean, I think it's funny just having like, just be like, oh, cool, the guitar players from Thursday Promising in Texas is the reason. They're all gay. That's like that's interesting to me, but like, it does feel like statistically speaking. So then, so then the question would be, if statistics aren't right in this case, and there really are no queer people in the emo revival scene, <laughs> then Wait, what, what is, is it? emo revival? Well, I could just say that for sort of like the... Did you ask what term. it was? Contemporary or? emo? Yeah, con contemporary emo. But even if you just said band. There's <laughs> <laughs> no different. Like, well, I mean, I am... I'm right in the net and it's still nothing. I'm trying to keep it in the demographic. Yeah, here. <laughs> Tom is very specific. <laughs> but... No, I mean, but then you have to ask, well, what is it about this scene that's not welcoming to queer people? What's well, that meant about it? Has yeah. it changed in that, you know, welcoming? It doesn't seem that it has. Oh, Brian's got an uh, answer. Oh, Lord. Wait a minute. Hold on. Before he is, how many drinks have you had? Two. All right. I can stop. Yes, hold on. I can stop you at any time. So go. <laughs> Totally disagree. Your world is very small if you believe that. Sixty <laughs> percent of homeless youth in America are LGBT. They're being kicked out of somebody's house. So, to, I think that you know that's the thing. It's like we are we're talking about a situation where there's a perception that 
everything's on its way because, oh, look, we're going to get marriage. But marriage is really like, you know, in terms of like prioritizing, I don't even think it's the most important thing. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. I mean, I was just looking at the numbers on LGBT violence and I was just completely like mortified. Like, you know, every day there are like three or four uh, hate crimes happening in America towards LGBT people. So I think that's something to sort of like separate, you know, from. But what I think your, your larger point though is that like the scene is sort of a reflection of the broader culture. And I agree with that point. It's just that maybe our sort of tr trans, uh, perception of the broader culture is different. Sure. Did you feel it open, Steve? Like, would you feel like when oh, in the 2000s? Oh, my, my experience, um, no, I mean, for me, like, I, I didn't even, like, I didn't tell my band until, like, toward the end. You know, like, I, I was, my coming out process was very late in the game for me and was over the span of, I mean, it's still happening right now, so. But for me, it was like, I'm going to tell these people and then hit the brakes, holy shit, like, freak out. <laughs> And, and you know what, like, and, and, and I kept doing that, you know, it's like, okay, like, do that, and then your level of anxiety goes nuts, and then you go, well, wait a second, when I did it last time, it helped, let me do it again, you know, and like, mm -hmm. so, you, it's it's different for everybody, but, um, you know, no, I mean, here's, here's the other side of it, for me, I have not had one negative, in, like, reaction at all, at least not to, to my face, or, you know, so, it's all been positive, and so for me, I just go like, wow, it really is just in your head, you know? Um, you know, I, but, you know, I, I think what Norman's saying is right, but at the same time, I feel like when people realize, like, when they won't say it to your face, like, and I think when they get to know you, then, then that sort of breaks down the wall a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it was definitely very different for me, you know? It, and, and it was ironic, too, because, like, here we are, like, clearly, you know, you know speaking about the gay agenda, you know, whether it was a song of Paris and Flames, and, you know, like, we had a song about Matthew Shepard, like, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, uh, and it was, it was kind of in a lot of ways, like, when we would play those songs, those were, like, obviously extra special to me when we would play them, and it was, like, this weird secret that I had that, like, you know, hey, no one knows why this sort of, I can relate to this one a little bit more, you know? It means a but, lot. But so, like, you know... I guess I didn't, you know, I was worried, you know, like, yeah, sure, I was worried, but, like, then, you you know, when I did it, like I said, like, everybody's fine, you know, and, and, um, so it was just, it was weird, it was, so I, I don't know, like, I guess I'm, try, I'm trying to see, like, did I feel like it was open? I must not have, otherwise I would probably would have done it sooner, mm -hmm. but I don't know how much of it was sort of up here and how much of it was, like, actually, like, sort of in my face, you know, mm -hmm. but, like, you know, like I said, the guys were, like, you know, cool and, Every, like I said, it's all been positive, so. That's great. It's, it's been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, being able to have those, I love the pump the brakes thing. Oh, uh, like, yeah. Wait I mean, a minute, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was well, just like, I'm going to tell you this, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's, I mean, yeah, I mean, when you think about the sort of like mental warfare that most people go through during that whole process, it's really like, you know, I mean, forget about, it's almost forget about the outside world for a second. Like, the inside world is, like, always crazy and always coming up with sort of, like, the worst-case scenario yeah. as the thing. And almost always uh, it's not going to be the case. But, like, even in my case, like, I didn't come out to my parents until I was 30. And part of that was because I knew very well what the response was going to be. And their response was, I've never talked to them again. <laughs> so, 
you know, I knew what that was going to be. I just had to make peace with that because my parents, you know, are fundamentalist born-again Christians and they were not stoked. And they, you know, and it's cool. I can laugh about it because it's like I didn't like them that much anyway. <laughs> but, you know, but it's also sort of, you know, it's tragic too because I just feel like, wow, like you were totally willing to just like throw your child away basically like I don't even exist because of this thing that I am and always have been so that's you know I, I get a little bit like I didn't mean to like get crazy Brian but I get a little <laughs> you know I'm just saying I get a, I get a little bit sensitive when people are like everything is amazing it's a great time it's to on be gay. TV you know like yeah <laughs> they have their own network yeah <laughs> yeah but it's still in, like, it's, that's not even HD <laughs> that's the character to me, but that's that's for real. <laughs> um, that's funny. It is remarkably better than it was, but it's still not there. Yeah. Obviously, because there's no gay emo revivalists. There's not. <laughs> if there are, that's awesome. Is there something you like to tell us, Tom? No. <laughs> uh, does anyone have any questions? for this esteemed panel, the Emo Council, who are here. Um, you haven't seen them, but they're here. They're upstairs, Bachi, playing Bachi. No questions? You guys want to drink more? Oh, my God, the bartender. Depends on the usage. I mean, bisex. Well, bisexuality is very clearly, obviously, someone who is attracted to both sexes, right? But queer is generally, it's and it's still sort of a divisive term for certain people of a certain generation. For example, maybe who feel that that you shouldn't take back that pejorative word because it was so horribly applied. But um, the way it's sort of used in academia and sort of like in popular language now is sort of as an umbrella term. So queer basically being instead of doing the sort of alphabet soup of the LGBTQ, what, all that stuff. Queer can sort of just sort of um, refer to all of it in some sort of umbrella. And for me personally, I like the term because I like the idea that um, I think personally, my personal opinion, I think sexuality is fluid. I think that uh, social restrictions sort of determine how people express their sexuality in a lot of ways or how they feel about their own sexualities. Uh, and queer is just a term sort of acknowledging that fluidity. Um, so I like it for me. Sure, yeah. I mean, it still is depending on how you say it, I guess. I'm sure that somebody with a brick somewhere would love to call me a queer. And you'd be like, yeah, totally. Sexuality, super fluid. Are you an academic? <laughs> you have like a split second to find out. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes. Uh, Bob Moult just 
big fan. I was a huge fan of Bob Mould, yeah. yeah. And I think I knew that he was gay, and I loved him even more for it. And Grant <laughs> Hart was gay, too. <laughs> yeah, so Grant Hart like was, too, yeah. Two-thirds of Husker Du was gay. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, totally. I think it was, you know, any sort of little nugget that you could grab onto. I mean, the funny thing is, it's like, even when I moved to New York, I remember, like, if you were like, oh, I'm this person who's, like, a, a musician, and I, like, live my life in, like, weird clubs and, like, go to bars, but it would be, like, for me, like, I remember going to the Phoenix and being like, I cannot believe this gay bar has fucking Radiohead on the jukebox. <laughs> like, this is insane. Like, I found my home. Like, I'm going to live here. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you're really, like, grasping for, like, a nugget and yeah. can nerd you for years. Yeah. And so, I mean, and that's actually, I think, like, it's very different now. Like, it's insane to me that, like, if you want to sort of live, it's like, it's just much more broad now. I think gay culture is more broad. Not necessarily. Well, it's also weird because it's like it used to, yeah, I mean, there was that time where like, you know, seeing someone like Bob Mould and like sort of seeing yourself in him was really helpful and inspiring in some ways. But now it's like, you know, you can really go to a gay bar, any gay bar in New York, and it looks like a new pornographer's show or something. Totally. Like it's just everybody's <laughs> wearing this. Look, yeah. They look like you. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 a totally different thing now. I mean, but like in the '90s or whatever, it was hard for me because I was definitely going to different gay bars or there was a gay coffee shop called Big Cup in Chelsea, and I would go there sometimes or whatever. But it was like I, I didn't see myself in in the sort of people that you know the style and sort of like the the look at that time. It just and what people were into. It just didn't yeah, it didn't resonate with me. I felt a little lonely. Any other questions? Yes. I don't want to for sure. Yeah. Uh, most of the time you do not own your masters. Mm -hmm. Someone gets your the masters point. on you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, yeah, I don't think we own any of them. You own waiting. That's yeah, it. Now we own, yeah, but that's just recently, yeah. yeah. Um, but bef but other than that, no, I don't, I don't think we own any of them. Maybe like a song or two here and there kind of thing like that we put out ourselves, but uh, um, Generally, the record company yeah. owns the masters. So who? Because they pay for the recording is what it comes down to. And depending on the contract that you have, the masters might um, revert back. Yeah, they might revert back over a certain period of time. Uh, I think my contracts all say in perpetuity. Yeah. Yeah. So That's um, bummer. I'm still waiting. <laughs> yeah, still here. Yeah. And for any format too, if there's. Right. New format past whatever we're dealing with. Yeah, there's language in there too. that's like any formats that do not exist yet. But that's the <laughs> own it. That, it didn't it used to be like that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, Revelation in the '90s were doing some serious major label contracts. Oh, like, really? It was yeah. It was like a 36-page contract that was just like holy shit. <laughs> I can't remember which ones exactly, but there are some bands now that like the reason they're not on like iTunes or Spotify or audio or you know or anything like that is because. Um, that clause wasn't in their contract, mm -hmm. and now they're fighting to renegotiate it, and so it's all stalemate, and they're not getting released or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. But we would all love our masters back, <laughs> yeah. and Collect would be happy to release them all. <laughs> <laughs> Any more before we wrap up? 
Oh, such a great audience. Um, well, that's it. Uh, oh, sorry. Any? Uh, does anyone need to ask anything from the emo council? I can. Ref- no. <laughs> They're here. All right. Okay. What? Bring me the horizon. Bring me the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> yeah, that's a no. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, I'm gonna let everybody plug something real quick. Uh, you're gonna plug Collect Records, so CollectRecords.org. <laughs> Jason, you wanna plug anything? No. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> Steve, uh, I have a new band called States and Kingdoms. Uh, we're slowly trying to get something out. We've been a band for three years, and we have two songs online. So that's going on. <laughs> Things move slowly. Jason days. was there for two practices. I, I tried. It was too hard. I was, remember I had to face myself in the mirror and say, like, you are not a musician. <laughs> cool. Thanks for uh, sticking around. Thanks for Modern Vinyl. Um, Washedupemo.com. This podcast will be up at some point. You Or you've been watching it on Meerkat. If you guys don't know what that is, you can watch it later. Uh, or you can't because it's live. Um, and then is this band emo.com? If you want to know if your band's emo or not, there's, is this band metal? Is this band hardcore? Is this band punk? Or is this band indie? Uh, those, are not, those are not part of the emo council, so I can't uh, vote if they're correct or not. But you can go to that. What did you say? No crossover? There is a crossover, but I, the emo council, they don't deal with those other ones. There was the one, uh, the Touche Amori guy was so pissed he wasn't in hardcore. And uh, I had to like, <laughs> yell at the guy that did it. He was so pissed. <laughs> I was like, who fucking forgot Touche Amori? <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah, bad. No, it's just for fun. It's a joke. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, Union it's Hall. It's a joke. Bye. Thanks for coming. Washed Up Emo fans, thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years, or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and for this current episode you're about to hear. I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shettle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also reprinted volume one so you can order both check out the diy publishing at anthologyofemo.com